Welcome to the Women in Sport and Exercise Academic Network podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jackie Forsyth, and also co-founder of the network. The purpose of the Women in Sport and Exercise Academic Network is to grow, strengthen, and promote research on women in sport and exercise with the ultimate goal of optimizing women's athletic success and their participation. With these podcasts, we wish to bring you information from leading academics who are researching about women in sport and exercise and provide you with advice and support for the exercising female. Please remember our disclaimer that the opinions, content and recommendations contained within our podcast are for general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, treatment or diagnosis. Wolfgang Kemmler is a professor and research director of the Institute of Medical Physics at Friedrich Alexander University in Erlangen, Germany. He has carried out extensive research on the effects of exercise on osteoporosis and sarcopenia. In this podcast, I talk to Wolfgang about his research on women, but also his extensive research in the area of whole body electromyostimulation. Thanks ever so much for hosting me on this Erasmus experience, but also for doing this podcast with me. It's very much appreciated. First of all, could you start by saying a little bit about the more recent research or current research projects that you have that are specifically on women? Yes, actually, we have a study that focus on early postmenopausal women with osteopenia. That means they have about 10% lesser bone mineral density than young women. Yes, we focus also on exercise, of course, and we apply a high-intensity endurance and resistance training approach. That means we, we have a kind of interval training in uh, endurance, means high-intensity, intermediate by lower intensity, and we have a circuit training that focus on resistance exercises. Anti-study is about 18 months, and uh, actually we have the three-month result, and we have the first two results, and we're very content with these results, actually. So you're seeing some favorable effects? Yes, indeed, yes. In which areas specifically? Actually, we, we have to focus on cardiometabolic disease, because it's quite too early to assess bone or, or muscle, yeah, maybe muscle, but uh, we focus on muscle within the six-month follow-up assessment. Actually, we have these cardiometabolic risk factors assessed. That means blood pressure, blood lipids, but also inflammatory markers within blood. But that's, that's of course, uh, also body composition, but uh, determined not by the golden standard dual energy x-ray absorbiometry, <laughs> but by BM dense analysis. And you've done similar studies to this in the past, so what is different about this particular study? Yes, we, par- we particular um, conducted the so-called EVOP study. This is the Alana Fitness and Osteoporosis Prevention Study from 1989, 89, yes indeed, to 
2016. It was a real long-term study and in this study we focus predominantly on fractures, on osteoporotic fractures. This is the main endpoint of this study. But we have a similar, maybe a similar uh, training protocol with this woman. The difference to the ACT-LIFE study, this is a recent study, is this HIT approach. That means not consistently approach with the same intensity, but with uh, ongoing and upgoing downgoing intensity within an exercise. The other difference is this that we applied a, a time intensive exercise protocol that means only 40 minutes for a session. In EVOPS the sessions were much longer and of course the duration was uh, act life as given 80 months and the EVOPS study about 18 years. So the focus is another but they are pretty comparable with respect to a woman, both the studies with early postmenopausal women, that means one to eight and one to five years postmenopausal. That means this is an, an age of a period of a woman's age that is um, very critical with respect to bone because we see these dramatic decreases in bone due to the hormonal transition. And do you think with the HIT type of training, and the reduced amount of time that is spent doing the training, do you think your results will be more effective? I'm not sure if they will be more effective, but I think they will be more applicable. Because, you know, nobody is really interested to, I, I wouldn't say waste, but some people think we well, waste a lot of time by exercising. So it's time efficient. And of course, this will be the way we, we get women to exercise more frequently and more, more consistently. And as well, you've done quite a few studies on EMS training. Is there anything that you've done in that that's been specific to women? Yes, actually we focus always on women. It's uh, really rare that we conduct uh, studies with men. Well, for several reasons, but anyway, we have conducted, I think it's the fifth study with women with respect to whole body MS application. I'm not sure if you're familiar with whole body MS application. Maybe you, you wear the local application of electricity on muscle, but this is a real whole body approach. That means you have about 12 areas with electrodes, so you can stimulate a large amount of your muscles simultaneously but with dedicated intensity. That means you can, each of your regions, you can dedicatedly stimulate with uh, adequate intensity. And this is quite a good thing, I think, for even older people, unwilling or maybe unable to exercise conventionally with respect to, a, to a intense resistance training. And do you think there's been any differences in how women might adapt to EMS? training compared to potentially how men may adapt? Uh, you know, I'm a researcher, I have not conducted a study in which they, so I would be very careful. Of course, you know, might be cliche, but uh, I know the women are much more careful with, with technology. You know, we have a, a very, very close interaction between one instructor and two applicants. That means uh, subjects who do this whole body MS application and I have the intention, the idea that women are much more careful. So you need 
quite longer to, to get this woman to a certain border of intensity. But after, after that, if you convinced him, then there's no difference. Mm. At least with respect to the application, with respect to the effects, I wouldn't be that sure. Of course, you have in postmenopausal women and older men, I think you have similar results on, on muscle, at least muscle and strength. But in younger applicants, that means younger women, younger men, you have, as with resistance training, the better results with the males might be the issue of testosterone, protein synthesis and so on. Um, with the whole body EMS training, yeah. is it important to do the action? You don't, can you just That's get away with not doing any action? You can just lie down. That's a pretty good question. Of course you have effects while lying, but the effects on functionality, that means on strength, on, on function task, is much lower while you applicate this whole body MS during movement. That, that means we always try to, to generate functional movement, doesn't have to be uh, very intense, but the movement per se um, is important only to, to distribute the strain above the full or, or, or parts of the range of motion. So we see we have with slightly better results on muscle mass parameters, but we have really, really big differences in favor to, to the functional application when doing movements. So when you put these types of studies together, what is personally your priority? Is it to get the training program right in order to produce the result that you want? Or is it more to do with satisfaction of the program so people will adhere to it, carry on doing it? What do you think is your main priority? Both aspects are pretty important. Of course, you can, you can generate an excellent exercise program, very, very effective exercise program, but if nobody likes it, you will not succeed. The same is true for attendance or, or, or adherence. So if everybody likes the exercise, but it's not effective, it's the same problem. So we have the, yeah, how to say this, this Gratwanderung in German. I cannot translate it. This is a small path between effectivity and, and application, feasibility, attendance. So you have to generate um, protocols that are quite effective, but that not, have not too much volume because people are not really enthusiastic to, to exercise very frequently. You have to, to focus on low volume with respect to the participants within the groups better eight participants than 10, 12 or 15 participants. You have to focus on the training frequency and so on. Yes, in summary, the best protocols are of course these, these protocols with, which are attractive for participants, which are feasible for society and which are effective for your primary endpoint. And your protocols seem to be quite straightforward really. Sometimes I feel that as a researcher, I try and complicate things by maybe adding too many outcome measures or maybe trying to do something that's more novel and cutting edge. But yours are straightforward, but also successful. Do you think that's why you've had success in these? It's not as though you're going for a paradigm uh -huh. shift. You're just 
proven that this thing yeah. is going to work. You know, we talk about it. Uh, in former times, we also had been these uh, hunters and gatherers. We, we always address a lot of secondary endpoints. That means bone, muscle, strength, power, uh, blood pressure, that, 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 that. Now we are much more focused on, on the main endpoints of a study. And I think this is a good argument to make a very focused research. Because if you compare it with pharmacological research, these guys always focus on one main endpoint. Of course, you can argue that and say, okay, exercise is that a comprehensive tool, you have to address every point. But I think this is not the good strategy. You have to really focus on two, three endpoints, successful endpoint, and go ahead. And if you had all the money in the world and all the time mm -hmm. that you could do a, a perfect project yeah. on, what would be your perfect research project? My perfect research project was definitely to focus on fractures, on osteoporotic fractures, to conduct an exercise study that did not conduct in bone mineral density or force or for frequency or for severity. No, you have to focus on, on osteoporotic fractures, on hip fractures, ideally, and vertebral fractures, clinical vertebral fractures, hip fractures, and you know, uh, pretty much money. We calculated recently and we think you, you have to run a multi-center study with at least seven other centers and we've calculated you need at least about three to four thousand uh, postmenopausal women because this is the, the, the biggest group with at, at risk for osteoporosis and it means per group. It means four thousand in the exercise group, four thousand in the control group and now imagine you have to exercise four thousand women for at least two years. This is a real big study and a real cost-extensive study. So you don't think that you're going to do that? I, I didn't, I cannot imagine anyone will manage that in the nearest future. Yeah. But this is definitely, and this would be a, a dream. This would be a dream with good, reliable partners to go down that study. So you've been successful in obtaining grants what advice can you give to other people who are putting together applications to gain money to run trials? Yes, that's a good question. I, I'm, from time to time, you have, you have to try it and you have to be lucky. I think a good aspect is you have to have a good network. A good network within administration, university administration, but also with industrial partners. The way goes goes more and more to cooperation with industrial partners, but this is also the problem. You know, you always have this this problem with yes, with conflict of interest. But uh, it is the way it is. I think way goes more and more away from federal funding, or away from institutional funding, more to company funding, and that might be a problem for the next year. And is that quite a problem as well, managing different interests? Because you look after the entire team, and so you therefore have to deal with commercial partners, administrators, PhD students. How do you manage all those different 
areas so that you get your project running smoothly because that can be hard on its own because you've committed to a project that lasts a certain amount of time maybe you've told the people who provide the grant or the part the people who are providing the money will finish by this time but then there are problems along the way because you're managing a big team as well as people individual participants who are coming for the study yeah. how, how do you think you have been successful in managing that and therefore what advice would you give to other people in managing big projects like that? Basically I'm not always sure if I am successful with my proceeding, with my FDs, with the companies, with the university administration and and I think I'm actually in a position I never had wanted to be. I'm a good writer, I'm a good reader, I'm interested in research and now I'm more or less an administrator and every researcher has to think about if he wants a big department or if he wants to, to run his own research. And then a department with three, four co-workers might be better than a department with 10 or 15 co-workers. But you have to think about before. Actually, I'm in a position that you have to care about five, six to ten fees and administration and funding. I did not really like to be in that position because that's not my my interest as a researcher. In that way, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm really successful. I have not business tools to administrate this really, really good. Mm. So, and I have to invest, I, I know I have to invest more time in this administration. So. But I don't want to like it. I don't like it, and I don't want it. And I know this is a problem. But um, okay, so yeah. actually, it's the way it is. I'm not really happy with the situation. Some other surgeon might might like to yeah like to join with me. But uh, I think the next step, which would be good for me, is to decrease my my my, my department. And stick to the reading and the writing. Yes, stay back to the roots. Back to read, reading, writing researching, but not in this big volume. It's not quite big. Some colleagues, of course, they make quite much bigger projects, but in my opinion, it's already too big. So in terms of reading and writing, what messages can you give in terms of writing, for instance, to the general population about your studies and what you've done? What are the main priorities that you really want to get across to people in order to improve their yeah. bone health or their fitness or yeah. cardiovascular health. What, what would it's you say? It's rather simple. Just exercise. Exercise frequently, two times per week might be enough. Exercise intense, but exercise. That's all. Just to do it. Just do it. Yes, Nike, you know. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. And do you think there's a problem with that? That you other issues with that? Do you feel as though you're still battling against a society that are not doing enough exercise? Yes, we have this. We, we have a, the data from our colleagues. Uh, we have a, an, all the people in Germany. That means people's 50, 50 to sixty. Well, it's not really old, but people fifty years and older they exercise on average. 1.1 times per week and I think we already cheat so this is not the amount uh, adequate to 
avoid and to prevent metabolic disease or um, musculoskeletal diseases. So it's not enough. And I think it's for a society, it's always the cheapest way to, to prevent costs, healthcare costs. But I'm really frustrated because the last 20 years there's so much campaigns with respect to exercise, increase your exercise, but nothing happens. We didn't see that uh, data for exercise participation really increase in the last 10 years. But in sincere, everyone knows that exercise is important and exercise is healthy. So what else can we do? I think we can do the next hundred or thousand studies with good results, but who cares? Who cares in detail? But with the participants in your studies, you obviously get some satisfaction because they've reached yes, this long-term study, they've, they've completed it, they've been successful, they've improved their fitness. Do you get any feedback after they finish the study in terms of whether they carry on doing that kind of exercise? Has it changed their lives? Yes, this is really successful. This is really yes, a big point for me. And I really like this aspect. Okay, the, the guys you can put at the hand with them you, you can really exercise with with high success and uh, we have generated the structure in Christian Elam where he started exercising in the study where he finished exercise in the study and can immediately start exercising in our health sport club so we don't have to say oh I don't know where to go to 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 exercise I think this is a good thing that we have our health sport clubs and actually we, the health sport club had more than 400 uh, members but um, I think this is a good a good solution because I had made my VD in Bayreuth, it's close to Erlang and the problem was always we finished an exercise study and the, the people say hey okay and what else, what else, what can we do now? Of course, there are a lot of fitness studios and health sport clubs and so on, but they are not willing or not motivated to join these health sport clubs. They say, I want to stay at my old instructor. So, okay, we generate this situation and I think we are, both sides are really happy. We at the university partner, but also the, the members, the participants of the studies. So many thanks for sharing these insights with us. Is there anything else that you would like to say about what research you've done or about what the future lies for you or any advice you can give? Anything that we haven't covered that you feel that you would like to talk about? Yes, I'm, I'm a really fan of this whole body MS stimulation and I really wonder that this is a, a completely unknown exercise technology in, in Great Britain because one may think this is a technology coming from the US, but it's a, a really technology coming from, uh, from Germany. And I think you should try it in Great Britain in a way of research, because this is really interesting. It's a really option for older subjects, which cannot exercise because of, of, of joint limitation or something like that. And I think it's really promising, but also challenging exercise technology for research. So. I would like to join my experience with, with some English partners in, in uh, research and I would really be happy if someone, some research in Great Britain, accept my proposal. 
excellent. Thanks very much for doing this podcast. You're welcome. For sharing your insights. Yeah. <laughs> <Your> insights. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay.